you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Belichick's going to become the oldest coach supplanting Tom Coughlin, who was 65 when he beat the Patriots in Super Bowl 46. And there it is. The dynasty continues. It's the footballiest time of the Quarterbacks throwing and tailgaters ready for some brats and beer. It's the footballiest time of the year. It's the pig, pig skinniest season. Oh, hi and hello. I hope all's well. I know all's well wherever you are because it is football season. Welcome to the Dave Damashek Football Program, Studio 66, alive with enthusiasm. I'm the only one in it right now, but I am uh, ready to kick things off. We can't really properly on the DDFP at this point. It's one of our little preseason institutions. I think we're going on year four here where Will Brinson from CBS Sports and, of course, one of the great follows in social media joins us for our really foolish ranking of the NFC South QBs. We'll kibitz with him about about uh, all things, I want to say, first of all, as always, thanks to Zaxby's. Make sure you go over to Zaxby's and uh, get you some of them delicious, famous fa- chicken fingers, wings, and salads. All this jive about who's got the best chicken sandwich. Fat and double fat, I say. Zaxby's is the home uh, for that sort of thing. And I think Will Brinson actually is in uh, a part of, uh, of these United States where he can track that down. Eddie Spaghetti, you're excited and over the moon. I am very happy that uh, football is back. Uh, we got a little taste with Notre Dame. Soon, Giants going to win week one without uh, Zeke. Uh, it's my prediction at the time of this recording. So, uh, yeah, things are things are looking good. Yeah, we are on Zeke watch like the rest of football fans across football America are. You know what? Let's say hello to him right now. Let's bring him in. And uh, and I do want to – you know what? Before we, before we say hello to Will, um, because he's allowed to push back on all these things very quickly. I think the most important thing in advance of any football season is where you come down 
on who the six seeds are. Power rankings are great, and muzzle tough to Dan Hanzus and his fine work and everybody else doing power rankings. But, of course, this isn't college football. This is pro football, and the only thing that matters come January is how those uh, the, who gets in and how they're seeded out here. So I'll go over them very quickly for you. I'm not going to give any commentary. Patriots 12-4. and four. They win their division. They're the number one seed. Chargers win the AFC West. They too are 12 and four at 10 and six. This is it, Eddie Spaghetti, the AFC North. You ready for the big announcement? Here it is. Give me a drum roll. Wow, this is actually it. Okay. This is it. Uh, Let me find the drum roll. Who's going to win the AFC North? Is it Baker? Is it uh, Big Ben? Is it Lamar Jackson? A three-horse race there. All right, you'll put it. I don't. uh, Yeah, I don't think. Just make make it with your (laughs) make 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 like do it with your voice. This is like a, like a Gruden knock on. Here it is. The Pittsburgh Steelers win the division at 10 and six. Call me a homer if you want. I don't uh, have faith in that offensive line in Cleveland. I don't have faith that the Ravens, as much as I think that the curveball offense that they're going to throw at the NFL is going to succeed. Mostly, I don't know that they have enough to get past nine and seven. And frankly, I don't think the Baltimore Ravens as an organization know that they can do much better under the best of circumstances than 10 and six running this kind of offense. Um, But uh, then I'll go with the Houston Texans also coming in nine and seven, 10 and six ish. We'll get into that a little bit. Um, The chiefs still are going to make the playoffs. Fear not 11 and five, a fine season for them. And then uh, bringing up the rear there, Congratulations, Browns fans. You made the playoffs anyway. You get in at 10 and 6 along with Pittsburgh, but they'll get in via the tiebreakers. Well, Pittsburgh uh, to win the AFC North. Sorry, uh, sorry, uh, Ravens. Sorry, Bills. Sorry, Jets. I think the Jets have a real shot to uh, sneak in on the uh, NFC side. Your number one seed is the Philadelphia Eagles at 11 and 5. The uh, In the a- NFC North, I think this is going to surprise some people. I'm going with Aaron Rodgers and company getting it at uh, 11 and 5 at uh, in the wh- – where am I forgetting here? I'm doing these off the top of my head because I'm a pro's pro. Um, the South, I'm going to take the Atlanta Falcons with uh, Matt Ryan. I don't want to tip my hand a little bit too much with uh, before Brinson joins us. and uh, And then in the West – I got the San Francisco 49ers winning that division at 10 and six. Then your two wild cards, Cowboys, who have a real shot at making a Super Bowl run, I suspect, this year. They get in at uh, 10 and six. And your final wild card at nine and seven. Get ready here. It's the Chicago Bears. That's right. The Rams and the Seahawks are both missing the postseason. Now it's time. That's a hot take. Now it's time to react. He already has a furrowed brow all the way from (laughs) North Carolina. You listen to him. You watch him. You do all the rest. He's one of the great follows. Uh, If you are a football fan, you want to hear what this guy's talking about at uh, at the pick six CBS Sports. Track him down. It's our pal Will Brinson. What's happening, pal? Thank you, thank you, Shaq. What's going on, buddy? Um, I uh, I like uh, I, I like a lot of what you were talking about there. I, I have to disagree on some stuff. Um, sure, I've got the uh, Minnesota Vikings as the number one seed in the NFC, thirteen and three. I, you know what? This is uh, this is a practical thing, and I'm not uh, a big fan of in July or June or whenever people start doing this stuff of pulling up the full schedule and and. Uh, um, putting a W or an L next to every game too much, obviously is likely to go down. And in 2019, I don't know that we've ever had a crazier off season in the NFL than what we've just gone through here. And it may still be going on. Like we say, we're waiting to hear from Z 
Zeke Elliott, but Melvin Gordon could move, and that could wildly swing the way you regard some of these teams out there. But uh, but yeah, the Vikings for me, the practical matter is look at their schedule. Look at the first six games. They're it's hard to um, conjure. 13 and three when you look at their first month and a half of uh, of action there and i ultimately here's what i came around on is it hit me like a, a ton of bricks aaron Rodgers is still aaron Rodgers, and i was thinking about the bears and i know i'm one of these skeptics at least i think that matt Nagy and company can uh bring mitch trubisky along sufficiently and i and i believe in um what he can do and then i i like the pieces defensively obviously like the rest of the world there but aaron Rodgers is uh i i think he's probably i, I don't know if you've heard brinson some pro athletes like to impose a chip on their shoulder and I think that if you consider the way Aaron Rodgers last couple seasons have gone, remember in week one against the same bears that they're going to be playing on Thursday night, he got hurt and that's put, I, I, and then they had the big heroic second half, but the season was never quite right. And McCarthy gets the broom, maybe a season or three too late for some people, but, uh, but I think he's going to be refreshed, born anew. And another practical measure of, of these Packers is I don't get exactly the Mike Daniels departure, but I think, this side of Baltimore, perhaps they have the best secondary going in the NFL. Mm, I really like that. I, you, Go ahead. No, as you say, what, the, like I agree with the construct of the reborn quarterback. We saw it with Big Ben uh, after Todd, after Bruce Arians, or Todd, even you know, Todd Haley, who he didn't like, came in. Uh, we saw Philip Rivers and Ken Wisenhunt, who you know ultimately wasn't very successful, but you know, getting these quarterbacks out of this sort of, you know, rut, you know, it's like, it's like a relationship rut. I mean, you know, just a, a football mm-hmm. version. And you would think that it would work for Aaron Rodgers. I do wonder though, if he is able to actually operate in this, uh, const- like constrictive, um, you know, very uh, planned out and methodical offense that wants to run the ball as opposed to just being Aaron freewheeling Aaron Rodgers. Like, is he really going to let that go? I, you know, guys, Shaving, you know, he's got a big mustache going on. He's, you know, he's sort of, he's, he's, he's questioning joint practices. Is it, is it, uh, is it thou doth protest too much, or is it maybe? I'm a little miffed at how this stuff is going down. This is my team, and I'm going to free wheel if I want to free wheel. Yeah, I think it's somewhere in between, right? He's a, he's tenured enough that he's allowed to call some of the shots, and I can't imagine that Lafleur arrived there against his wishes. That Aaron Rodgers had no idea what Lafleur was going to try and establish philosophically. I think he probably has to be okay with that. And like I say, I think the defense is a little bit better. I, I again, the, the Mike Daniels thing is. Very odd that I still haven't gotten a good explanation for why it went the way it went there. Um, But compared to, and and, you know, this is um, in a tight division, tough to call NFC North. Who's the clear cut best quarterback in, in contention there. And it's Aaron Rodgers, right? Doesn't that, I I know it's simplistic thinking, but I think chip on the shoulder year for Aaron Rodgers. I think he's almost slipped a little bit under the radar. It's kind of why I like the Niners a little bit because it was a couple of years ago, Kyle Shanahan was a genius. Every, regarded the the universe over. Look at what he did with Matt Ryan and with the, with the Falcons and, uh, and everything else. Kyle Shanahan is going to turn this San Francisco team around. And then Sean McVay kind of rises up and um, Shanahan's team built roster building up there in San Francisco. And then Garoppolo gets hurt last year and everybody was on that 
bandwagon in 2018 before things kicked off. And as I always say, you have to delay those expectations by one year. When everybody is saying, you know, the dark horse is it's team blank then you have to wait one year before that team actually arrives. And that's why, by the way, I think the Cleveland Browns are a true contender in 2020, not as much 2019, although I suspect they'll have a good year too. But in the same way, Shanahan has slipped under the radar a little bit and we've kind of moved past him and he's still in a spot where he can remind everybody of his greatness. I think Aaron Rodgers is about to remind the NFL that uh, you can't leave him out of the conversation of the upper, upper tier, meaning top two or three quarterbacks in the NFL. NFL. How, how about the Jimmy Garoppolo thing? Not to retan, not to bounce back to your, the first part of your tangent here and, and go off on a different tangent, but it is. Eddie, Spaghetti City allowed like ten minutes, so mm. we, we could burn through that. We in the can first do whatever you want. Yes, exactly. No, but I think it's interesting how we went from this narrative that Bill Belichick respected Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch so much that the only place he was willing to send the future franchise quarterback that he had in his back pocket, Jimmy G was to San Francisco. And it like, it is, it is flipped and I'm guilty of this too, but it's flipped to like, okay, maybe Belichick hosts somebody else. Uh, and like, like is Jimmy G good? So to your point, I agree. I think the 49ers are flying under the radar. People don't want to buy the hype. People are starting to question whether or not Jimmy Garoppolo's contract was a problem. And and so, yeah, that makes him a true sleeper in a division where, you know, the Seahawks have lost a lot of receivers, lost a lot on defense. The Rams have, you know, uh, offensive line issues, Todd Gurley issues. Yeah, I could I could see the 49ers rising up, but uh, I'm going to stick with Seattle in that division. I don't, okay. I don't like to count. I don't like to count out Russell Wilson. I hear you on that one. And I wonder about, boy, I'm all over the place now. So you, you said about uh, four things I want to react to. And uh, <laughs> I, I feel like the Jimmy G thing. Yes, that's a that's a fair bit of skepticism. But the glass half full version of that is Kyle Shanahan, who has a great track record offensively and what he wants to do and with quarterbacks specifically. And Bill Belichick, the genius of the 21st century, both like Jimmy G. Are they both wrong unless there's some something nefarious afoot here from uh, Belichick? But I, I, I don't buy that because the whole thing, as far as I understand it and weigh in here, and I, I you know, I'm excited for football and I don't want to get into what happens in back offices, uh, you know, at higher levels. But as I understand it, Kraft what reacted to what Brady wanted with uh, and you whatever the spirit of why Tom Brady wanted Jimmy Garoppolo traded why because I'm gonna play till I'm 45 and I like this kid and we share an agent and I think he deserves a break to get a brand new start and be the leading man somewhere else in the NFL can you trade him away or I don't like this kid looming behind me. He might be more handsome than I am and I'm getting old and I don't want the young guy get any, uh, any uh, too, too much uh, noise. The David Letterman, I don't want John Stewart following me. I need somebody less talented than me following because I don't want any pressure. Uh, this guy looking better than I do in the same system, by the way, as a side note, if you're a Patriots fan, this is why I keep saying you want, after Tom Brady retires, you want the team to go seven to nine or worse, or it dents the legacy of Tom Brady. If if it is, in fact, Belichick's system that's doing it, one, it's unsatisfying for football fans when it's all coach-based. We're getting into a weird place here with coaching, <laughs> where the coaching is the thing that matters most. If that ends up being, continues to be true, Sean McVay and Belichick out-coaching um, more talented teams, people like to... People like to get in on that and, and be pretentious and, and say, it's oh, yeah. 
is that fun? Is that what, what, what is it? Nineties NCAA basketball? Is that what we want? We're hailing Bob Knight versus Coach K versus the the talent on the floor. I don't want that. I think that's a bad direction um, for the NFL. But then I'm a uh, I'm a dimwit, so I like uh, you know simplicity, and I'm from Pittsburgh, and I like three pound, three yards and a cloud of dust. Anyway, um, I'm rambling now, but I think that. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess who who knows anything about Jimmy G? He didn't, but we didn't watch him. It's not like we watched him play for a Power Five conference. It's not like we're informed by any of that. We just buy that. Well, he won won a couple games, but the grand total of it is um, eight games that we've seen with yep. Jimmy G. So he, he remains an unknown. However, I think the offensive line is okay. I like the weapons, like the, the kind of running back, even um, without uh, McKinnon now. I do still like that uh, Shanahan got his kind of running backs. They have uh, enough at pass catcher, and the defense seems loaded as far as I'm concerned. But Seattle is another player. Tyler Lockett, though, and then who else is catching pass? up in Seattle. Jerron Brown and Will Disley. And somehow the some of the Seahawks have worse pass catchers than the 49ers. Like, mm. like you would definitely rather have George Kittle and Dante Pettis than Tyler Lockett and Will Disley, right? Yeah, that, that's, the, that's the answer. And then uh, address this Rams thing here. Talk about something that I am a skeptic of. And I talked recently with, I talked just yesterday to Maurice Jones-Drew. One last time, I pressed him on it, a conversation that began in January, maybe even in December uh, 18, is something's wrong with Todd Gurley and you're playing ball with the Rams, Maurice, and you don't want to say it, but you know that there's something going on there with that knee and he refuses. He as recently as yesterday, Monday of week one, he said, you're, you're crazy. You're, you're wearing a tinfoil hat. Todd Gurley is fine. I said, well, how, how are the carries going to break out between Gurley and uh, the two and three at running back? And he said, oh, like 80 percent. Todd Gurley said they're just going to give him a little bit more of a break than they did last year because he ran he ran out of gas last year. Why are the why are the only people who continue to insist that Todd Gurley are fine? Like all collect paychecks from the Rams, whether it's like Sean McVay or uh, Les Snead or Mina Kimes or Maurice Jones. Like it's like everybody's everybody's afraid of what they might say about Todd Gurley. Like ah, oh, Todd Gurley is fine. It's like then why did he sit out the Super Bowl? Why was C.J. Anderson in there? Don't tell me C.J. Anderson was better. Like there's some theory out there that Todd Gurley was like. He was freelancing and looking for holes, and C.J. Anderson was just running straight forward. No, there's something wrong with his knee. Clearly, something wrong with his knee. Or did you? Yes. So, but 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 based on that premise that you're that you're uh, laying out that uh, a lot of people have is. so did Sean McVay on the flight home from the Super Bowl say, like, Todd, in 2019, you got to get to this style? And they agreed that that's what he would do. And so it's like, see, done. Uh, you know, it's over with. We we clear we clarified why I was using CJ more than Gurley. And we're ready to roll <laughs> into 2019 and beyond. Listen, I, Todd Gurley's a delightful fella. I hope he's well. I love him. He's a he's he, I, I North uh, Carolina native. Shaq, he's a, he's from uh, he's from Tarboro, North Carolina, right down the road from me. When he was in his sophomore year and he was snapping off those 70 yard runs in Georgia. I decree this is the, I, everybody likes to say best running back, best, whatever of the generation. I said, he will be the best running back 
of his generation. And, you know, I hope it's not over with for him, but I, I just reading the tea leaves. It didn't look good. And I keep saying it and I'll say it one last time before we kick it off and we can wash our hands of the last Super Bowl. But Bill Belichick and Brian Flores clearly identified that Sean McVay likes to do everything from under center much more than any other team save the Patriots. Those are the only two teams. Interest, I, I mean, coincidentally, or maybe that's how they got to the Super Bowl with uh, in, in a world of shotgun. Those are the two teams that love putting the QB under center and running play action. And from the word go in that Super Bowl, they just never were scared of Todd Gurley. They, and, and they they tempted Jared Goff to beat them and Jared Goff didn't beat them. And by the way, that's another knock on, on the Rams a little under the radar. He set up to succeed. Not necessarily a great number one pass catcher, but, you know, the pass catchers and clever Sean McVay are enough for Jared Goff to be in a good spot. But doesn't he have a lot of pressure? He's playing for that $100 million deal this year. And I think there's some doubt in a world where we now have achieved full QB saturation. All court, all the NFL teams. Andrew <laughs> yeah, Luck through. It's amazing. Andrew Luck kind of mucked it up a little bit, but Jacoby Brissett. Oh, no, 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 no. Jacoby Brissett will be great. He will be top 15 quarterback this year. I see that NC State helmet looming uh, right behind uh, your Shecky award Shecky, from yeah, last right year. The Shecky, yeah. But okay, Jacoby Brissett is fine. And I think that defense is going to be, is going to be great. I think they should go get Melvin Gordon as a side note. I think that's what the Colts should do. Chris Ballard won't, but I think that that would be a, a cagey move from him to bring in Melvin Gordon. But again, I don't think that uh, I don't think that's ever going to happen. Maybe Bill O'Brien though. I think that would be a good move. Um, he's, out of, he's out of picks. He's out of picks. He has no picks he has left. No, he has nothing to to give up to get him. Um, all right, spaghetti. I'm sorry. I'm all over the place. Too much for you? <laughs> no, I a lot of. Brinson's the, hanging with I, me. He's, I, about, he's going all over the joint. With yeah, me. he's been emailed like seven different rundowns, and this is our like you know second full attempt of this. So I think he's prepared. Uh, and I and I allotted some time for a tangent, so it's all football. I don't think it's, it's a tangent. It's I just one. I'm it's not good. sticking to any one subject. That's here. fine. It's, it's week uh, one. There's a lot going on. Eleven seconds per team, pretty much, is what uh, is what it feels like we're doing here. Um, so let's talk about those Texans because it feels to me, Brinson, like Bill O'Brien, I get it. And, uh, you know, as a football fan, primarily before anything else, I see, I can lose focus for half a day on what is Bill O'Brien doing? And he's destroying the long-term future of that team and everything else. And they're like, I don't, I didn't uh, decide that I wanted to talk about football for a living so that I could get into high finance. And so if you can let go of that and the implications beyond this season, isn't this a good move? Didn't we just see what Andrew, what happened to Andrew Luck? He got the, he got the junk beaten out of him to the point that he said, I just can't do it anymore. And in that same division, there's Deshaun Watson, 2018, got the junk beat out of him again. Wasn't he, wasn't Bill O'Brien on some level compelled in a, I don't know, win now mode, but you know, you're in New Hopkins prime at this point. And J.J. Watt is at the tail end of his prime. And, you know, on some human level, aren't you doing a disservice to the face of the franchise for all of time by letting his window close without giving him a proper best chance to make a deep uh, playoff run? Not that J.J. Uh, Watt is necessarily the what Bill O'Brien's thinking about, but you get my point here. I think that they're now better positioned to make a legitimate run in 2019. Agree or no? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, sort of, but no, I don't entirely agree. A couple of th thoughts on that. One, JJ Watt, easily the greatest player in Texans history, right? Mm. I mean, like I mean, where we are, at least right now in, in, in 2019, uh, two, 
I think you get at least. Well, Andre Johnson of... would be in the conversation, but yes, ultimately mm, it's JJ yeah, Watt. But yes, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, would, I just wanted yeah. to be a completionist no. to, with your with your right. uh, hypothetical there. But go ahead. I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, yeah, yeah. I agree with you. Andre Johnson would be the primary competition. Um, here's a couple couple of problems. One, uh, Deshaun Watson is responsible for a bunch of sacks that he that he took last year. He he holds yeah. onto the ball too long. He's a playmaker. I mean, like I, I buy into him. I've, I've always bought onto him. I think he has a chance to win them a Super Bowl uh, because of he just has that gamer ability. Um, but you know, Bill O'Brien's responsible for some hits he took too. He kept running him in the red zone for whatever reason. He would he would get like inside the five. And have Deshaun Watson run. It's like, dude, he just rode down here on a bus. What are you doing? Like he can't he can't fly. He's so banged up and and you're running him in the red zone. It makes no sense. Um and then the other thing I don't understand is if you're in win now mode, why are you paying seven million dollars of Javen Clowney's salary for him to play in Seattle? Why not just be like, listen, Clowney, um, you know, you can't get a long-term deal anywhere you go. So we will agree not to franchise tag you. You come back here. We'll play. You play for 15 million bucks from us. You max out this year. And I, I get it. The Laramie Tunsil thing makes sense. You're getting a, a an ascending young player, one of the better young um, offensive linemen in, in the league. Let me interrupt but, you for a second on that, yeah, because sure. I think we have to I think we have to put a finer point on that, because, again, things move pretty fast and you kind of forget um, who these guys are. And Laramie Tunsil, were it not for wearing that creepy face mask thing yeah. with the smoke coming out of it on draft day, was supposed to be the most talented guy in that draft. It wasn't. Uh, he, was, he was the no, he was the number one overall pick, Shaq. He was right. going to be the number one overall. And pick. Ronnie Stanley, and I know the Ravens are happy with uh, with him, but there wasn't a question about Laramie Tunsil being the superior option there. And so now the Texans have a guy who, the way guys' careers go, yeah, I mean, there's some. Uh, Andrew Lux and Chris Borlands, but if Tunsil wants to, he's got another decade. If the Texans play that better than they've played the the, J- the Jadavian Clowney thing, then they have their left tackle. And Matt Money Smith joined us um, a couple of days ago, and he made a great point that in our world of full QB saturation in the NFL, that it's almost easier to find a good quarterback at this point than that it is a dominant left tackle and it remains a position of uh, uh, I mean, I don't know if it's essential. I guess. Yeah, I guess it's fair to say essential for the most part. There's four pieces, four cornerstones you want when building a franchise and um, two football minds who are very different personalities, but both of whom uh, we would agree are smart. Pete Prisco and Daniel Jeremiah. I've I've, I've seen echo the same sentiment Um, that Pete and Daniel, both mm-hmm. think alike, but are both completely polar opposites in a hilarious way. Um, you know, Daniel, like a you know a, a good a good Christian Southerner, Pete. He's yeah, sweet. Potentially a sa- yeah, yeah, potentially sweet a, potentially and sour. A if they ever do a show, yeah. that that's yeah. what we could call. That's right. That's right. But uh, you know, you got your quarterback, your left tackle, your cornerback, and your pass rusher. And so, yeah, you get two of them there. Um, and then look, yeah, the, the Texans can win it all this year. I get it, but it's a stars and scrubs roster. And remember when they traded up to get Deshaun Watson a few years ago, which no one doubts. It was a great move. They used an extra first-round pick to pick him up with the Browns. Uh, when Watson tore his ACL mid- midway through the season, they finished with a four. Win- they finished with four wins. So, like, if Watson and Watt get hurt, it doesn't matter how what your offensive line is there. You're going to be you're going to end up giving away a top ten pick to the Dolphins uh, in, in 2020. And so that would be my concern: is you make this big splashy move to win now. And then, you know, you suffer injuries because it happens in football and all of a sudden you're a four five, six win team and and people are wondering whether or not you get fired. Um, bottom line it for me, Texans, do you agree they win the South or are you going with somebody else? 
I am going with the Indianapolis Colts. Ah, you really you really buy the Jacoby Brissett thing. I do too. And again, one recurring theme here is Eddie Spaghetti can confirm for you on the DDFP is it hit me about three months ago. This is all about defense. This is the, the AFC now. The the yeah. the the Chiefs are the anomaly to that. From the Patriots to um, to the Browns, who are at least are going to be good in in some aspects defensively. They have some talk about splashy guys. That's what they have on defense. It feels like to me, um, the Steelers have a good defense. I don't think the Ravens' defense is going to fall back as much as some people think. The entire South is loaded defensively, and the Chargers, even without Derwin James, are loaded. And I think that if you if you buy that idea of like you drop somebody into something that's already cooking if you drop Derwin James into that thing around Thanksgiving they're going to elevate even further and uh, and be dangerous but i i mean you know i i don't see many flaws although i once again the the football gods i don't know what it is with the chargers why and mm. even in this decade when the capitals and the you know the the cubs and uh, who the the Cavaliers? Everybody's finally getting their break from the sports gods after the boot being on their throat for too long. The Chargers—they're not getting any, mm. they're not, not no breaks. I don't get what's going on there. But anyway, so I think the Chargers um, are, uh, are are the best defense there. And now I say I completely jumped away from the Colts, um, but uh, the Jags, I, the Titans—I don't—I I have no feel for the Titans. You're closer. To, to them than we are um i don't they're, I, little, they're they're just they're just they're they're bland i just they're think not, that by october that it's going to be sideways because there will be Tannehill will either actually already be under center or there will be um calls from the from the stands um shouting for it so i think that I, I i don't love that team and i still don't love nick Foles outside of the dark green jersey i don't buy that he's necessarily the savior anywhere outside of uh outside of philadelphia um all right as we continue to bounce around here then uh should we just go to it spaghetti do you want to just get to it and uh, not run out of time uh it's up to you guys i mean here only 28 minutes in we're uh, already at a half an hour so i would have guessed i would have guessed like seven minutes sheesh <laughs> this is what happens to me brinson um no but but you know Sheck. so like i do i do my daily pick six podcasts as he said uh promiscuously but um we get all these reviews are like this this guy can't stop going off on tangents um and so i think that uh you and i combined probably leads to is that bad uh, though brinson no it's great yeah, it makes you makes you have to pay attention. You know what? I will say this that I, you know, like I mentioned already, I'm not a big numbers guy, but the numbers indicate that our show here, our dumb little podcast, has a um, outsized completion rate. People listen from start to finish, and maybe mm. it's that jagged style. You know, maybe call me like John Coltrane. You know, there's no, there's, no, you, there's a baseline like, in there somewhere. I'm just seeing how far away I can get from it before I return right. to it at all times. Right. You see, okay, well, you, you, don't call feel, me? you don't you don't feel like you're like being blitzed with this rundown. You feel like it's a meandering conversation that is about a topic you enjoy and could often potentially spiral off into other things, but in a controlled kind of fashion. That's well, I mean. will say, if I may self-promote a little bit uh, more than I already am, uh, I that we now are doing our athletic show too, the football fact check, and that will be, we intentionally did apply some structure to that one where we are going <laughs> legitimately because I don't want to do the same show 
for different audiences or same audience or anything else. So that one will have a different feel to it. It will uh, apply a certain structure and that's fun and has its virtues too. But yes, we're rambling here. So as we try to cover as many bases as we can here uh, before things kick off there in Chicago, let's get to it. It's our annual attempt to rank the NFC South quarterbacks. And I think we started this because Brinson, Jameis Winston had been drafted the first overall guy um, a number of years ago. And I think one of us spotted that, oh, all of a sudden the NFC South is the home for the best quarterbacks is the division with the most high end quarterbacks. Also can't have this conversation without once again, pointing out that it is the lowest combined total of quarterback Jersey numbers um, since the NFL went to four team divisions, Cam Newton, one, uh, Matt Ryan, two, Cam- Matt Ryan told us at the Super Bowl that the reason he wears number two, big Tim couch fan growing up. And that's what he, that's what he, <laughs> really what he told us. Did, not, allowed, did not know that. <laughs> how many human beings in the history of human beings have ever adopted a Jersey because that was their favorite player growing up. And then you end up being much better than that guy. was. <laughs> very few, very, very, I wonder few. how many guys that actually is true about, you know, anyway, um, yeah. I wonder if there's got to be somebody who's somebody else. That's a good uh, point I just stumbled into. But anyway, uh, three Jameis. So now we're up to six. And then um, Drew Brees wearing that number nine, 15. Try and cobble it together. Don't just apply it from the 2019 starting quarterbacks. Go back through the last 15 years or so. You won't come anywhere close to 15 as your grand total there. I mean, listen, the Philly Rivers uh, exceeds that by two all on his own. All right, let's get to it. The 2019 edition preseason. Every year we rank our quarterbacks one through four. Who come New Year's Eve will we say, I told you so. I told you he was the best quarterback in the division. Point of note, point of record, I've never been right. Every time, whoever I declare, I'm always wrong about. Let's start with you. Who's at number four, Will Brinson? Well, I am not buying the Bruce Arians hype. Really? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm buying. Like, I, I'm scared of the fact that I'm not buying it, but I'm not buying it. And here's my biggest concern with Jameis Winston and why he's easily my number four quarterback uh, in this division is that the the quarterbacks that that Bruce Arians has had in the past, whether it's Carson Palmer, Andrew Luck, uh, Ben Roethlisberger, even dating back to Peyton Manning, all had one thing in common: they were accurate down the field. And I don't think Jameis Winston is necessarily accurate down the field. Now he can throw the ball down the field. And he can throw it a long ways. He can throw it really fast and really hard. But those guys could put bu- could put drops in buckets at 45 yards down the field. And I don't think Jameis is that accurate. And it worries me, too, that that offensive line is a problem. Because if you can't protect and you can't throw accurately down the field in a Bruce Arian system, you don't have no risk it, no biscuit. You've got, like, a bunch of dough on the ground. And that and that is what I think could end up happening in, uh, in Tampa Bay. Boy, what what uh, colorful language there from Will Brinson. I like that very much. <laughs> I hear you. I think Jameis actually does bump up. I, I, I say it repeatedly, and I will tell it to you now, Brinson. In a world of alleged QB whispers, and we are populated in pro football and in college football with guys who are in the right spot for a year or three, and then they are imbued with these powers for the next decade and a half and are employed as offensive coordinators or otherwise for too long, even though the results are in. Oh, yeah, when he doesn't have that high-end talent, he's not as good as it turns out. Bruce Arians is actually one of those. I mean, too many... I mean, that's a great nuanced point you make. 
But those are very different kinds of guys, Roethlisberger, Luck, sure. Carson Palmer, and they've all thrived. They've all had some of their best years under Bruce Arians. So why not? And and I hear you on the comp with with the accuracy of Roethlisberger, one of the great downfield throwers, really, of all time, or the Super Bowl era. Um I think that Arians can at least fix that. I think in, in terms of like football doppelganger, I've always thought Jameis Winston is very Roethlisberger-y. I think that, uh, yeah, they, I'll give you that. they have For a sure. lot of the same traits football-wise. Um, and uh, so I so I do buy it, I guess. It comes down to that. I'm, I, I'm not as uh, skeptical. However, we agree. I just can't see the room. Where am I moving? Who am I moving right. Jameis past? So, so I have Jameis at number three. I'll take us to number – I mean to number four – at number three, it is oh, is this, this is one of those taboo subjects. How dare you say something like this out loud? I think we have, I think we have the same the same number three. Then did you watch the last two months of twenty eighteen? What is it? Drew Brees is magically refreshed and renewed at whatever age he is. Just because Tom Brady is doing it doesn't mean that every quarterback is going to be able to succeed. Tom Brady is the only guy in the history of people to succeed at this level this late in his life. Drew Brees is smallish, um, and I i mean, I watched it with my two eyes. He just was not throwing the ball well for the last two months of the season. How say you, Brinson? So he's my number three. So, Shaq, let's say hypothetically that there was a group of people that established before the season uh, possible uh, passing yard totals for quarterbacks that you could uh, – Guess, if you will, whether they will go more or less. Color me interested. Right, right, right. What would you, if you were in charge, if you were the person in charge of this, what would you set Drew Brees' over-under passing yards at, or more or less passing yards at? I would would guess that Mm -hmm. anybody who would sit around and come up with something like that, I don't even know why you would do that. It just seems like a weird parlor trick to even say, like, let's see if we can guess how many and how close you can get to that (laughs) number and which side you think it's going to be on. I would say 4,700. Exactly. And what if I were to tell you that that the number that was perhaps released by someone allowing people to guess whether it was more or less was 4,199? That's, I mean, that's just a recipe. I know people like to say, oh, you know, when he has a running game, I do think that that's going to help Aaron Rodgers. I do think that there's some, I mean, I think Tom Brady, by the way, Tom Brady's success, he won the Super Bowl. I'm not denigrating him that a, a guy in his early 40s uh, maybe isn't in his prime anymore. But, you know, that I, I hate to keep hearkening back to the playoffs of, of 2018. But if you think that was Tom Brady's victory more than it was Sonny Michelle's, then you weren't paying attention. That whole offense was running through Sonny Michelle much more than it was Brady. Yes, he made some big-time plays late in the game up in Arrowhead specifically. Obviously, he makes the one throw to Gronkowski in that Super Bowl. But it was all about Sonny Michelle. And Belichick, it's not a coincidence that Bill Belichick used a first-round pick. How, when was the last time he did that? Used a first-round pick and happened to hit it on it with Sonny Michelle. That's the reason that the Patriots won the Super Bowl last and, year. And then came back and used a third round pick on an SEC running back this year, which tells you that he wants to run the ball even more. My point with Drew Brees, though, is that that number is so stunningly low that I think I'm with you. I think that we talk about it's going to be like, oh, it might be Rivers. It might be Ben. 
Uh, Eli's already fallen off the cliff, but it's like, which which older quarterback's going to fall off next? Nobody's mentioning it might just be Drew Brees. You're what not allowed because he's perceived to be yeah. a nice guy. And, uh, you know, perceived, like, perceived. How dare you? Well, no, I'm, I'm just throwing <laughs> it out there. I have a chip on my shoulder, Brinson, and I've worn it all the way since Christmas time. It's been it's been it's getting heavy on me. I, I, I've been defending. Uh, that's a conversation for another time. You can go back and listen to one of probably 27 DDFPs from the offseason in which I bellyache about the media and the football world's decision to make a martyr of Ben Roethlisberger for the sins mm. of every quarterback, every high-end quarterback. Every every knock against Ben Roethlisberger could be issued against every other high-end quarterback in terms of locker room comportment and uh, you know offering critiques of teammates and uh, and not liking a high-end backup and everything else. And uh, uh, Drew Brees isn't immune to that either. I think Tom Brady is the anomaly with that. and I th- or, or is he, if, in fact, he Jimmy, did have Jimmy, Jimmy G, G traded away. And the other one's Brett Favre. Uh, outside of that, those kind of QBs, these swaggering leader of men that everyone will follow into the fire, and he makes everybody better and all that, jo- and everybody loves him, and everybody wants to just win for that guy, exists in Brett Favre and guys in movies. There's a, that's just not a true thing. Anyway, <laughs> Drew Brees is a, is a nice guy. He's a steady hand and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, well, look, look, what, watch him throw what, the ball. What if he's old? What if, what if, what if the end of last year is the rest of his career? And this is, and, and the, remember Peyton Manning, the exact same thing happened. Peyton Manning threw for a pile of yards in 2014 and then at the end of the at the end of the season you could see him mm-hmm. falling off a cliff mm-hmm. it was very obvious and then he came back the next year and he didn't have the arm strength sometimes it just goes and breeze is a guy that we didn't know if he, his career was going to continue that's in, exactly like, right. after san diego so it shouldn't be surprising if it somehow goes not because he doesn't take care of his body the way tom brady does just because it's a natural thing to happen it's the same reason that you know, I'm in worse shape than I was 10 years ago. And, you know, uh, you know, I hurt more. You when look I terrific. Tennis. I just want you to know you look great. But, um, yeah, I, I hear you completely. And Kamara, the answer to our cynicism is Kamara and Michael Thomas. Um, but, you know, is that is that really the formula to try? You're not going to bang Kamara week after week. It's, it's not like um, a good example. I don't know. The Eagles, by, I guess, way, are a good loose example. But. He's not Kamara's not a finish the game and grind out the clock in the fourth quarter guy. So that is that that's not going to be the premise of the Saints. They have a good defense and everything. I think the the division happens. Go go ahead. No, Drew Brees had he didn't even have four thousand passing yards last year. Like that that is that the last time that happened was in uh, let's see two thousand and five. I mean, it's been 15 years since he was under 4,000 passing yards. That all of these things should be a red flag. That even if the Saints want to run the ball more, um, and that's a good thing, that it part parcel is because they're worried that Drew Brees might not be able to throw 700 times in a season and be able to make it to the end of the year. It's a killer. I mean, still, I completely, I can go the other way on it and say, you know, but. That doesn't require a powerful arm, but those choice routes are just murder when you watch uh, sure. the Saints play. When Kamara comes out of the backfield, I don't know what what how you stop that, but I guess there's a way to slow it down, and some teams have, have shown how they like to do it. But, yeah, I, just, I, I, I think Drew Brees happens to be, sadly, and I hope it also isn't true for the Chargers after all these years of keeping a team afloat and covering up a lot of uh, some ugly rosters there. I wonder if the reason that the team isn't going to 
achieve as much as people expect them to is the quarterback who's been doing that for so long. But by the way, he's almost certainly going to win MVP this year. All right. So you, was, was that, an, was well that enough doubt about him? Spaghetti. That's a, a breeze has to be number one at this point, right? You're, you guys, the reverse jinx. Is that a reverse Yeah. Well, it's what happens every year yeah. with us. Actually, Brinson um, shouldn't um, put himself side because he's, he's actually made some, um, some good uh, calls on this the last couple of years. I continue mm. to be atrocious at it. Um, I definitely put Jameis number one at, at one point in this in this exercise, which is just, I think that's right. A fireable offense. I think we both did. Um, uh, okay, uh, give it to us. And remember now, if you're the number two quarterback in this division, that means if number one can't go, you then become the number one quarterback. So this is important who you put in as the runner up of the best quarterback in the NFC South 2019. Will Brinson says, I want to go. I want to put this guy number one, but I just can't do it for health reasons. And it's Cam Newton. Um, I think that Newton, yeah, Newton has to be number two. He's coming off shoulder surgery. He is a former MVP. Um, I, I think that what you see from Cam when he misses time the year before is he comes back pretty healthy the next year and is able to play a full season. And I expect him to be to be very sharp in this North Turner offense. Curtis Samuel emerges. T.J. Moore takes another step. I mean, Moore is sort of being discounted this year, Sheck, but I mean, this is a guy that – you know, 21 years old, put up numbers that are the very few wide receivers have done. Christian McCaffrey is there to ease the load a little bit. Norv did a, a I mean, he raised his completion percentage to 67%, which is, I mean, like, I know your your colleague, Chris Wessling, uh, lambasted um, uh, the discussion, like Norv's off-season trope comment that he's like, I'm going to get Cam above 60%. And I agreed with him. I thought it was insane. And he got him to 67. It's unheard of. Um, a healthy Cam... And we'll we'll get the Panthers to nine wins, and I think we'll challenge for MVP if, if he plays well enough. I don't know how much they want to run him, so that may take away from his stats a little bit. But I, I think Cam is in for a big bounce back here. I think I, he's my he's my easy pick for uh, comeback player of the year. I love that, and I also think that you you hit. I mean, Cam Newton again that MVP season. By the way, also maybe still the greatest rookie QB season in NFL history. Um, the 15 and one season reminder, he was throwing the ball to Ted Ginn jr. And Philly Brown, and he went 15 and one. Now the, the premise is different. He does not need the shoulder, the load anymore. He just can't anymore. And wouldn't you know it, um, fortuitously, Curtis Samuel appears to be, by all accounts of people who are there in camp every day, is finally ready to emerge. And we called that coming out of Ohio State. And it's interesting between him and Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore, that smallish kind of guy. I feel like these guys are kind of hybrid that you can move them all all over the place. And this will um, give cam new life in that offense i'm with you i think the the panthers are a team too many people are ignoring and i wouldn't be surprised i the aforementioned maurice jones drew when i told him i i don't know about what's going on with todd Gurley. i don't think the rams are even going to make the playoffs this year he said you watch they're going to go down to carolina this weekend and destroy the panthers i think it might be the opposite i wouldn't be surprised i i agree I think if the Panthers win that one, I think then I'm going to be patting myself on the back already. Like, see, the Rams are not, they're going to be fine. They're not going to, bottom's not going to fall out, but they might not be good. Weigh in on what I've been saying, or you don't know what I've been saying, but what's your opinion on this? Cam Newton does the exact same thing in the exact same window that Andrew Luck does. He announces his retirement during a game or it comes out, whatever. 
um, two weeks before the season, a promising year at that for the organization. How does football America react? The same? Oh, oh no. Oh, no, Shaq. It is not a, well, this guy's got to do what's best for him and his family and, you know, proud of him for, for taking uh, the bull by the horns and really, really owning up for it. Uh, this is a big guy. You know, this is doing a lot for mental health in America. That was the reaction to Andrew Luck. People would lose their minds. First of all, there'd be a segment in, in, in North Carolina, and I know this because I have family who live here who have said this to me. They'd be like, well, it's about time. Thank God we got rid of Cam. Like, well, it's time to get Will Greer in there. This would be awesome. We're going to win some games. It's like, shut up, you, you crazy but wait, rednecks. But wait a minute. What if, but what if one said that he was doing it because, you know, he, you know, he's, he, you know, his wife and, you know, that's it, like, it's a no, time no, for no, 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 Cam, he doesn't, Cam, Cam, but he, no, but listen, Cam. but I've been through a lot of physical, I, you know, do you remember that playoff game when uh, in New Orleans, when I got bonked on the eye and now my shoulder and all the, have you seen some of the licks I've taken? I've really laid it on the line and I just can't go through the rehab again. Wouldn't that be enough to make all of football America and all of the usually curmudgeonly media give him a break and say you know what cam's earned the right he's put his body on the line for this sport fans have no business uh saying boo about this no way cam danced in the end zone in tennessee and like people wrote <laughs> letters to the editor and then he like didn't want to answer press conference questions after the, after getting you know humiliated in the super bowl uh, he was blasted for not diving on the football i mean cam cam is one of the most for various reasons, one of which is quite obvious, and the other might be because uh, Alabama fans don't like Auburn players. Uh, Cam does not get the same treatment as other as other quarterbacks in the NFL, and I, I don't think he ever will. He's always been one of the most divisive players, both at the college and pro level, and uh, I fully expect that if he, if he retired from football that there would be a vastly different reaction. Although, I will say, Cam. Better, better career than Andrew Luck. I think oh, we can all agree on that. absolutely. Before Andrew Luck said this, it's funny because two weeks ago we had that conversation. Cam, in my book, is going to the Hall of Fame if he makes it two more years, period. He's going to go to the yep. Hall. People don't like that. Uh, Colin Cowherd uh, has played clips of me saying stuff like that and scoffed at it, how ridiculous that is. Why are people so on board for Cam Newton? Andrew Luck was not tracking to the Hall of Fame. I, I mean, he was borderline based on the resume to that point when he retired. Now, it's a, he's definitely not going to the Hall of Fame, obviously. And yet, I've even heard some people say, you know what? He still should go to the Hall of Fame. This, no. this confirmation bias thing that, like, before he ever took a snap in the NFL, that he's the greatest uh, prospect since John Elway informed the way people reacted to uh, even his bad play. I mean, the fact of the matter is he threw bad interceptions in bad spots and then played hero and would pull him out of the fire and he was on a terrible roster Grigson did him no favors from the start but nevertheless the career is the career and I completely agree with you one over 12 and the reaction would not be the same and I'm not race baiting because a lot of people have, have accused me of that if Roethlisberger did it, it would be the same thing and if Aaron Rodgers did it it would be the same thing no one would be like okay it's cool Aaron you've done enough you know you took enough of a beat <laughs> people would be like wait what no way dude no way you gotta play this Quitter. This quitter. Yeah, this quitter is a loser. He just can't. He, he's scared about never winning another Super Bowl. He can't handle it. Big Ben would be like, oh, like you got tired. Like, you know, he just made too many teammates mad. He can't even stick around at Pittsburgh anymore or something of that nature. It's very strange. I don't, I, I'm, I can't exact. Is it that Andrew Luck cuts the figure of a pleasant guy? Is that, I mean, is it that simple? 
Or is it, like I, mean, I say, the confirmation bias that everybody circled him and said, this is the guy, this is the quarterback of the generation, and he didn't, for whatever reasons, didn't exactly fulfill that. I mean, he never reached a Super Bowl. Um, but, yeah. I, I, I think No, I, I think it's because the Colts did him so poorly. Huh. Like, the roster building was so bad. I mean, Cam's had some rough stretches, too. I mentioned I, the 15-1 and one team. That offense, at least, was yeah, lousy. Yeah. It was Greg Olson and Philly Brown. I mean, Greg Olson was the only high-end piece. I mean, he was throwing to Devin Funches and Kelvin Benjamin and like in Mike Shula's offense for seven years and dropping back, holding the ball, having to pat it until those guys like got motored up enough to get down the field and then taking a massive shot as he uncorked the ball deep. I mean, Late career weird. Jericho Cotri didn't tickle your fancy? I, I, you know, I'm a Jericho Cotri fan, but no, I like Jericho I did too. Not. Yeah, no, I, I like him very well, uh, very much too. All right. So, uh, so Cam Newton at number two, that means at number one. Number two, Matt Ryan, talk about him. Well, I'll tell you the most amazing stat, and I think I've heard it repeated a lot, but but maybe I don't know if it's I don't know if it's just it's not out there enough. Do you know what the date of the first Falcons game that is not indoors uh, in 2019 is? No, but I've been talking to some people who have made some powerful arguments about how certain teams perform on grass versus turf and vice versa. The Patriots do not like being on grass. The the Falcons do not like being on grass. Lay it on me. The first time the Falcons will be outdoors, or and we're including uh, Houston with a retractable roof and mm-hmm. Arizona with a retractable roof as well, uh, is uh, November 17th when they play the Panthers wow. in week 11. Sheesh. That is in. Sane. And then they close out with, after that game, they have three home games. They're at the 49ers, Jaguars at home, and at the Buccaneers. So they're going to be outdoors three times this year, Shaq. Three times. Matt Ryan's going to put up monster numbers, and I think that will help make him look like the best quarterback in the division, even if uh, the Falcons don't go like 13-3 and three or anything. Well, their schedule, again, I, what I look at, I don't try to look into November and December because so much will change between then and now. But look at their, again, their first month, their first six weeks. It's pretty it's pretty rugged. So that's the yeah. only thing that knocks them down a little bit in my estimation. But how couldn't Matt Ryan succeed? We've He's already had some high-end years. I think he has a chance to be a borderline MVP given the weapons that he's going to be able to throw the ball around to this year. And... Um, uh, yeah, I, I think to, by the way, maybe puts himself pretty much on the cusp of Hall of Fame status with a big year in 2019. It's weird. I have been the biggest, not the biggest detractor of Matt Ryan, but I've I've been a doubter along the way. Um, I mean, by the way, if he wins that Super Bowl, they just hang on to 28 to three. We regard him completely differently obviously but then he did lose that game and it was on some level his fault or he definitely deserves uh, some of the uh, the criticism for losing that uh, second half lead but anyway Matt Ryan has a big year this year look at him statistically look where he is career-wise compare him with other um, with other hall of with hall of fame QBs and I get the 21st century and um, exaggerated numbers but still Matt Ryan's tracking to the hall of fame all of a sudden I think they win that division I buy Dan Quinn has come close at least to getting the defense he wants people forget because it happened so early in the season that up in Foxborough uh, Deion Jones and Keanu Neal get hurt in that I mean right out of the gate and the season's over for them they're both back 
I think things are adding up to as, assuming that the rookie um, tackle works out for them a little bit. I think that uh, I think that this is a team that can challenge the Eagles and the Packers and whoever else you want to throw out there to get to the Super Bowl this year. Yeah, I mean, last year he basically had the same numbers as he did in his MVP season. I mean, they're not they're just not that far off, like point five percentage, you know, percentage points of completion percentage, um, you know, 20 less passing yards. I mean, his uh, touchdown percentage dropped precipitously, but you know, he only had uh, three less touchdowns. He just threw the ball a bunch more times. Um, you know, yards per attempt were down 1.2, but all, you know, he's at eight, 8.1 last year. So a very big season. And you're right on the hall of fame thing. He's 12th all time in passing yards right now. I mean, to pass, he, he I, I think he will eventually pass Ben, Eli and rivers just because of the, the very nature of where they're set up. You know, he's roughly 10,000 yards behind Ben. I think he'll play two more seasons than Ben does at least, which will lead him to, to pass him, which means he's all of a guaranteed to be top five in passing yards when he retires it, it, barring a major injury or just a, you know, complete cliff fall by Matt Ryan, who is uh, as it currently stands, just, you know, just turned 34. So I would anticipate he plays for a while. I anticipate he plays very well for a while. And yeah, I think he's a hall of famer. The one concern I have with the Falcons is they lost all, they were injured. Everybody talks about the injuries. They're actually middle of the pack in adjusted games lost last year, according to football outsiders. They were, they were like way down at the bottom in defensive games lost, but they were like the healthiest offensive team in football or one of the healthiest offensive teams in football. So I would worry a little bit about that. Like if Julio gets hurt or Ridley is, is missing or what if that offensive line suffers some injuries and they have to depend on those rookies who haven't looked very good or have been, you know, like Caleb McGarry's already dealing with like a heart condition and Chris Lindstrom, you know, who's been okay at guard as he stepped in. I, I think that that would be maybe the one concern I have for the Falcons. Plus I, I think, you know, the saints and the Panthers should both be good. So I don't have them winning the division, but I do have them being a competitive uh, wildcard team. Well, see, it's easy to start talking. If, if you start touching on every team, you can talk yourself into almost any team being yes. pretty good. That's the the uh, thing that we've talked about here on the DDFP all through the offseason here. Um, last thing then, and so thus ends our uh, our annual rankings of the NFC South quarterbacks. And are it's, you taking it's the, the same? Well, it's the same, which means we're in deep doo-doo here because like something, something, something is going to happen that's going to make both of us look uh, incredibly stupid. Probably, yeah, almost uh, certainly. Now, whether or not Zeke is back, it, it, I mean, Zeke's going to be back, I think, at, with the Cowboys uh, for week one. I don't know if there's any updates since we started flapping our gums here. Um, but I, you know what? I think that defense is really good, and the offensive line, everybody's been singing songs about for half a decade now. I like Amari Cooper um, and Michael Gallup enough, and I think that uh, I, I think they can absolutely make a playoff run. And I like Dak. I don't. And um, the biggest uh, the biggest difference is uh, is Kellen Moore. I never have I, I've never understood what Jason Garrett was trying to do in the 21st century. I think Kellen Moore will bring him up to speed in 2019, and I think the offense has a chance to be a revelation especially if Zeke is in there and uh, I like the Cowboys a lot, but do you agree that the Eagles are the one to win that division? I uh, we're on the same page. I think the one thing that I'm worried about is uh, Carson Wentz's health and whether if he, cause Nick Foles ain't walking through that, walking through that door. I mean, if Carson Wentz gets hurt and is, and cannot play 16 games, then I might lean a little bit towards Dallas. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the Eagles roster and the job Howie Roseman has done in building out the depth and talent at various positions. This is a team that can be a, a dominant defense, win with the run game, 
I think Miles Sanders has a big season and survive maybe for a couple of weeks if they have to without wins. But you know, a, a long-term injury is going to prevent them from from winning the Super Bowl. I, I do have them winning it over the Cowboys. Oh, man, I could go on and on. We didn't even touch on Shady McCoy, where Melvin Gordon's mm. going to go. Let's wrap it up here then as we launch a brand-new segment with a guy who likes his food. He lives in a part of the country where they make delicious barbecue. It's time for the Food Block, presented by Bon & Viv Spiked Seltzer. Let's get into it, Brinson. I have been to two Panthers games in my life. And the first time I went there, it was, I, I don't know why I didn't expect it. I just, I think Arrowhead and whatever, but the, in Texas uh, based places, when I got within a half mile of the stadium, I could smell oh, yeah. the smoke. I could smell it. And as I got closer and the, 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 um, the delicious Carolina, I now at this stage in my life, I think I like that vinegar-based kind of uh, sauce, maybe yeah. even better yeah. than I like the KC barbecue. And I, but anyway, I flipped for it, walking around uh, with the good people of Charlotte and tasting all their all their meats and such. Um, what's the best barbecue in football, America? Mm. Well, I mean, I, I'm partial to to the look. You gotta understand, like Carolina barbecue is not attempting to uh, take away what Texas barbecue and Kansas City barbecue do, and and it's a different fight. Like those two fight with each other. They're like, Oh, look at this giant slab of brisket. Oh, like we got Turkey legs. Take that. Like, listen, we have a very refined set of circumstances. We like with our barbecue. It is a whole hog, which is then pulled pork chopped up sometimes, put on a bun, slaw, the vinegar, depending on whether you're, you know, you're Eastern or Western in North Carolina. Sometimes the slaw is red. Sometimes the slaw is white. Um, I like them both personally, but I'm you know from I'm from the West, so I, I lean that way. Although I've got a little more Eastern in my my uh, my white slaw lately, um, but I think you know it's just a different thing. Like a, like a we're not trying to we're not trying to take away what Kansas City and Texas do. So give me Carolina and the pulled pork. You're trying to add to it. I appreciate you uh, standing up for it's your region. It's unique and different. You know, and the spaghetti, jump in here. You're a barbecue enthusiast. Uh, I am, you, yes. you've, you've sampled them all across uh, these United States. The thing, the rumor, or I mean the uh, the uh, stereotype of Texas barbecue, that they don't know what to do with swine, by my uh, for my taste buds, is absolutely true. You didn't. You didn't have any sausage when you were down. When we were, I mean, the sausages were. It was good. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, the ribs were. I mean, the ribs are fun. The ribs. I. Where did you you get yours? You went. Have you got beef ribs? But we're not talking beef. I'm talking about the swine. No, I I had. I think I had. I think I had pork ribs, and they they were pretty good. But I went to a different place than you. All right, I went to a couple, maybe even a few. When I've I've been all over the state of Texas and their different football towns, and um, yeah, I, I I go. I'm starting to lean the way of uh, of Carolina barbecue. What is if there was one thing? Is it pulled pork then? Because we tried to identify 32 times over what football. If, if you're going to a tailgate in each of the uh, home stadiums, what the one um, signature item is? Is it pulled pork then? Yeah, I think it would be pulled pork. And then it would also be, I think one of the other things too about like um, the side fact, the side factor matters to me. Like, you know, you're getting collards, you're getting like a macaroni and cheese. I mean, you're getting like a bunch of different that's where higher you end me. sides. No, like that's where you in lose the me. Deep that's, no, that's where you lose yeah. me. The collard greens are okay. I like, see, what what my move is, you got to get the, uh, I, uh, it's straightforward. Get some nice French fries with it. If you got good sauce, that's, that's the treat. I know sure. that's not exotic or anything. Mac and cheese. I'm all right with it, you know. I I, I complain 
we've done a better job since I called for it when I make my New Year's resolutions for all of society. This one's now like six years ago. I, I announced that uh, we need to do a better job of getting stuffing on every menu in the restaurants. And I don't know if you've noticed Absolutely. it. We're starting to see more stuffing. If mac and cheese can inhabit most menus in America, why not stuffing? You know, that's my point. I, I don't mean to, I'm not, I'm not beating you up too bad, mac and cheese. You can be good, but you ain't better than stuffing. And why do you have to be available on every menu? You know, something to think about. I, I don't disagree. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a stuffing man. I like, uh, look, I, we used to go down to, you know, we, we, Thanksgiving in the South, man. You're, you're putting down, you're putting down some, some hearty casseroles that are mostly filled with some kind of stuffing, Ooh. oyster stuffing. Ooh. You know. I like it. stuffing, whatever kind of stuff. Will Brinson, you've done it all. You've earned yourself a Bon and Viv. Go get one. Do it in the middle of the day. That's living. And when I was a kid, it was like seeing how late you could stay out. But now I've realized, and I suspect you know this same thing. When you're really living, not just surviving, it's when you're cracking the, that Bon and Viv midday. That's well, that's winning. But here's the beauty check. If you get if you get a question from your significant other, like why why is that Bon and Viv cracked? You'd be like, listen. I write about the NFL. I cover the NFL. It's the official Spike Seltzer of the NFL. I'm, I'm a, just testing out what they're selling, all right? I'm a professional. That's why That's I'm right. doing it. That's the answer. <laughs> all right. The great Will Brinson. And uh, I'll tell you, this combined with his appearance midsummer with uh, with our mutual pal, Nick Costas, has earned him at least consideration once again for the Shecky Award 2019, our favorite uh, non-football playing guest. Hopefully we'll catch up somewhere over the course of the season. Meantime, good luck. Good luck to the Wolfpack. Good luck to the many quarterbacks that the Wolfpack has provided to pro <laughs> football. And uh, and then, uh, like I say, we'll look forward to catching up with you sooner rather than later. Always fun, Shaq. Thanks for having me, buddy. Thanks, Pally. There he is. Make sure you check him out. Pick six and otherwise CBS Sports. Wait, you're wrapping me up, Spaghetti? I, I, I said no such thing about being ready. All right, we'll wrap it up here. It's, an, it's been, you want to do a guess? No, I don't want... What? Time guess. You said we were at 29 minutes, so now we're probably at about 48. You were at an hour or three. Yikes. So, yeah. I'll try to do better next time. Thanks, Zaxby's and Bond and Viv. Thin slice of heaven. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.